This is episode 18 of the Online Course Guy podcast. I'm Jacques Hopkins, the Online Course Guy, and this is the show where we show you how to turn your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. I was able to do just that with the piano, and now after being an engineer for eight years, I'm proud to say I support my family with the income for my online piano course. I'm also joined today as usual by Nate Dotson, who is hard at work on his own online courses. Hey, Nate. How's it going? You like how I pluralized courses there for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. How's the uh, how's the courses plural coming along? Things are going pretty good. Yep, moving along. Good. Well, uh, today, do you remember what our topic for today is? Storytelling, isn't it? Storytelling. Yeah, I've got some uh, I've got some thoughts on storytelling, and I'm sure I'm sure you do too. Um, the one big thing I want to share before we jump into that is some numbers from August. Cool. It's uh, it's halfway through September now, and I forgot to share numbers from August last episode, and I'm not going to go through them as in as much detail as I did last time. Um, but I'll give you my you know my revenue, uh, expenses and profit from from August, and it wasn't as good as I was hoping. Uh, I had some targets that I had set in my solo episode at the end or at the beginning of August, and it and I didn't hit that, but I did hit. I did come under my budget for expenses, which I was happy about. I, I think you listened to that solo episode I did about uh, about my results from July, and I was I was frustrated by by my expenses just getting out of control, and and I came in under my budget, and I would have come in even further if it weren't for you, Nate, because you uh, you pressured me to go into this marketing conference <laughs> later this month. Yep. <laughs> and so if you listen to that podcast, I told myself I'm not going to spend any extra money other than these services I use online and my advertising. And and I stuck to that with the exception of this this conference which is about $800 and then the flight was about $300. Um not bad for what for what I hope we're going to get out of the conference. But I did I did slide that in right at the end of the month so these expenses would have looked even better. So um so my income was about my revenue was uh 27,400 uh, expenses were twenty one thousand one hundred, so that leaves a profit of sixty three hundred dollars. So I'll take it. Uh, not where I want to be for sure, and it, it's still the big story with my um, profit and loss P and L, as they call it, is my SEO um, campaigns because those are just crazy expensive, like thirty three hundred dollars. I'm getting a lot for it theoretically. I'm just not seeing the returns on that yet. So. Um, if I would have never done that, you know, this is like the fourth month I paid for that. And so um, I'm well over $10,000 in on it without any any returns. And I could just cancel it. I totally could just cancel it. And then I would be looking at more like $10,000 in profit each month. Um, but what I'd like to do is spend, you know, 21000 in expenses and make forty or fifty in revenue. And I think that this SEO campaign is what's going to help me get there. Absolutely. I agree. And uh, I continue to get really nice links from my SEO guy. You know, I've been I've been in Forbes articles, um, Market Watch. I've been in various places. The big one that that in the past week is there was an article in Huffington Post that linked to my website. So that's cool. I continue to see like results from a link building perspective from really really high profile sites. So that that's encouraging me to keep pressing forward and with that. Are you still seeing some of your prominent pages ranking higher in Google? Yes, for sure. It, prominent keywords. Yeah, so I'm I'm up to like 30 um 30 different keywords 
within the top 30 search results, which is when I started this, I had like five. But the, the problem is you don't, the goal isn't top 30, the goal is top 10. And I've only got like three terms in the top 10 right now, but I've got a bunch in the teens and the lower teens that are just ready to, to jump up in there. So I'm thinking within like two more months, I should really see a boom in, in that stuff. So I'm definitely sticking with it. That's pretty quickly. Well, I thought it could take another six months to a year before you really start to see the, some income coming in from that. Well, I'm, you know, this is all just, this is all just conjecture. I'm not, I'm certainly not an SEO expert and I'm, I'm basing a lot of what I'm saying on what my SEO, you know, guy and team is telling me. Um, and obviously they're biased, but I mean, from what I, everything I've seen, they seem to be, they seem to know what they're doing. Awesome. You know? Yeah. So we're talking about storytelling today and it's an important topic, but I think it's overlooked a lot. Um, I think that it's important in, in pretty much every business. And to give you an example, I was shopping for, at the grocery store the other day, yesterday actually, and I bought something called Flackers. Have you ever heard of Flackers? Uh, no. They are crackers, but they're made 100% with flax seeds. Mm-hmm. So there's no grains or anything, super low carb, uh, a lot of fiber, a lot of um, you know omega-3s and stuff like that. Um, but I was looking on the back of these flackers, and I'm not saying this was what convinced me to buy them. I've never bought them before. Mm-hmm. But the very there's a paragraph here. The very first sentence says, flackers were developed by a doctor for her patients because of the amazing nutritional benefits of flax. It's a story. Even on the back of flackers, we have a story. Stories are everywhere, and they need to be everywhere because without that story, um, it's it's harder to to really get into to something like this, get into flackers. But now I know that there was this doctor. She was a female, and um, she obviously cares about the health of her patients, and she developed these for those people. And I'm and I'm reading that. I'm like, wow, I could be a part of that. You know? Yeah. I thought that was cool. Just a small little example of story. Yep. Stories are one of the oldest, like oldest human traditions ever. We've been telling them for ever since we could talk. Yeah. They're in, there's sections in our brain that are just wired to pick up on stories. I think that, I think it, I think stories really help you to resonate with people. I think it makes you more real. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, where, where to, in, in businesses like this, online courses, where do we where do we inject stories? Well, I think the best way, one of the best ways is with pre-launch content. So as you're leading up to the launch of your course, send out some um, emails or we recommend videos you send out as just some free training, but inject a lot of stories in that pre-launch content and really get people to get to know you, understand what your story is and why what you're going to be selling them um, is important, relevant, and aligns with whatever your story is. Also, you can include stories in your sales video um, and then make sure it's somewhere like on your website too so that when people go to your website, they they don't just see a, some sort of generic company. They see a person with a story. Yeah, that's that's interesting you said that I because I redid my website for Google, sending Google traffic and I have a big story on there, but I haven't put it yet on my standard landing page that most people are actually going to from YouTube and Facebook. It just reminded me like I need to test that. I need to pop my story up on there. Yeah, I think you, I think it's worth a test. So, for example, I got an email two or three days ago from this company or website that sells guitar courses. They have several guitar, you know, guitar lesson courses, 
and I got contacted by like their affiliate manager. It wasn't the owner of the of the website, and they were pitching me to become an affiliate for them. So I would I would sell their products and I would get commission. And I'm thinking, okay, obviously that's um that's a that's a reasonable association. I sell piano lessons. They have guitar lessons. Let me look into this a little bit. So I'm looking around. I go to their website. I see all this information about their courses and and guitar. And I'm looking over the whole website for who the owner is, who started it, and what's their story. Yeah. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't believe it. It was this really well done website, and uh, like really well done. Like, and they have tons of courses. Um, and not only could I not find the story of the person that started it, I couldn't even find the name of the person. Like they had this about page and he was talking, there, there was an article on the about page talking in the first person. And I guess it had a little bit of a story, but but it, I, I still don't even know who this person's name was. And so I was a little bit interested at first, but when I couldn't find that information on their website, I was not interested at all. Yeah, no connection, no no um, personal connection to them. If you don't, you know, you got to connect with people on an emotional level, and and that's where people make their buying decisions from as well. Which is why story is so important. They don't people don't typically make their buying decisions based on features and intellectual qualities of what you're selling. They make it based on emotion and connecting with them on a deeper level. Right. Absolutely. And relating, um, relating to the stories and things like that. So I just told you a story about what happened to me when I got approached by this affiliate person. I just told you a story. Yeah. You told me how you felt. You told me the characters involved. It was a, it was a plot. It was a great story. I had you, had you guessing all along the way, huh? You had me on the tips of my toes. <laughs> yeah. So, so for example, I could have just said, it's important to have your story on your website. But instead of just saying that, I told a story about that. Absolutely. That's cool how you did that. Thanks. I was waiting for your head to explode, but it didn't. I'm just like <laughs> sitting back waiting. I was, it's, I was, it's, my head moved slowly, so it's like starting to all move through there just now. I was really excited I came up with that. I was like, I was making my notes for this episode. I was like, oh man, I'm going to tell a story about a story. <laughs> yeah. I have in my notes here that it's like super meta. Yeah. And you know, we started this podcast, the first, wasn't the first episode, our online course stories? It was, very first episode. Yeah. So people can hear those if they want to hear our stories. Absolutely. And our stories are continuing to evolve and grow and yep. and all that. And I think we continue to tell stories on every episode. So I want to I want to share some more examples of stories and how we're using them. I've got some examples here. You're welcome to share some maybe that you've used or, or not. It's up to you, Nate. But uh, I mentioned that some great places to use story is in pre-launch content. So for example, when, you, when you're going through my piano in 21 days funnel, there's three different videos I send out before you even have an opportunity to buy. And in those three videos, I really tell a lot of stories about me as it relates to piano. And I also provide a lot of training on the piano. And that those the combination of those two things is really what gets people to buy my course, in my opinion. So for example, in the first video, um, I really talk about uh, my story as it relates to the piano and how I came up with this this way to play and teach piano and and I just I kind of want to tell that story here just so you can he hear an example because if in the first video I just said hey guys I'm Jacques I teach piano okay here's the lesson okay that's not as effective as what I'm about to tell you so um, 
I started piano lessons when I was five years old. My parents put me in, in piano lessons. They put my two older sisters in piano lessons at the same time. And it, they, the, my, my sisters fizzled out after a year or two, but I was like, I really was the kid that was always making my parents happy. Um, and so I felt like they wanted me to, to be in piano lessons. So I stuck with it for that reason, that reason alone. I hated piano lessons. I never practiced. I didn't like all the theory. It was just a struggle. The songs that they had you play, what like I was embarrassed to tell my friends that I played piano because, okay, I can play some, I can play Beethoven. Who cares about that, right? But if I was playing songs on the radio, I would have been proud to play the play play the piano when I was that age. So I hated it, but I stuck with it to make my parents happy. And eventually. I'm looking up, I'm 17 years old, I've been taking these lessons for 12 years, and I look up and I literally can play two songs on the piano. Like literally, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Now, those were two pretty good songs, like I was pretty good at them, and they were nice songs, um, and they were fun to play, but come on, two songs? Like I would go, so I went to this uh, this retreat in Canada, and there was we were hanging out one night, 17 years old, there was a piano in the room we were in. And somebody knew I knew how to play piano. So I get up, I go play one of the songs I know, and then I go play the second song I know. And then they're like, okay, play another one. And I'm like, uh, I don't have I don't know anymore. And that was that's really when I realized, like, oh my gosh, I only know two songs. And then another guy got up after me and he started playing. And he could play song after song after song. People would request songs and he would just play them. I couldn't believe how many songs he could play and it was just unbelievable and so after you know later that night i kind of sat down with him and i picked his brain and tried to understand what he was doing and you know he he was kind of using the techniques that like piano bar uh piano bar musicians use um you know cocktail um piano stuff like that and um so i learned about that and i i started researching that and i started started, um, you know, just kind of reverse engineering the whole process of learning piano, you know, with my engineering background, I really took an analytical approach. And so I quit my lessons shortly after that, but I didn't quit piano. And I started playing piano this way and continuing to develop my way of playing. And now I can play hundreds of songs, um, maybe even thousands, and I can learn new songs in like a couple of minutes, as opposed to, you know, I was learning songs in like six or 12 months before. Wow. That's awesome. So that's the story I tell in that first video, Nate. And yep. I mean, what do you think? I mean, that's that's that if you were interested in learning piano, but you didn't want to learn a bunch of theory and you didn't want to learn new songs in months and you didn't want to start piano and not play a song for a year down the road, that story would resonate with you, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you talked about you talked about overcoming a conflict, you know, you have this character, you have this desire and you overcame your conflicts and got the result. That's what people are looking for in a good story. You just get me, Nate. I love it. Yeah. Okay, next story is I want to tell is in video three. And in video three, I really get into showing people how to learn new songs on the piano because I talk about how you know, playing piano is, I mean, it's all about playing songs. Like normal piano teachers have you do these drills and scales and this and that. But I'm like, okay, learning piano, it's playing songs. Let's play songs as quickly as possible. Let's learn songs as quickly as possible. And in contrast, um, you know, I don't teach by sheet music. And so I really talk about the problems with sheet music. And to do that, I tell a story. 
And I tell this story about how, you know, I was, you know, 15 years old, something like that. And all I would ever learn are these classical pieces that my friends didn't know that I was kind of embarrassed to know. And I wanted to, I was like, I play a musical instrument. I listen to music. I want to play songs that I like. And at the time, you know, I really just wanted to learn an Elton John song. Like, oh, I'm sick of the Bach and the Mozart. Like, if I could learn some Elton John, that would be incredible. So with my 15-year-old mind, the best way that I knew how to do that was to go to a music store and find some sheet music. So I couldn't drive. My sister drove me there. And I go and I find this Elton John sheet music book. And I look at the back and it was like 50 bucks. And, you know, I'm 15 years old. That's a lot of money. But I was super excited to play an Elton John song. So I, I paid it, you know. And I got home. I was so excited. I was looking, you know, I was driving. We were driving home and I was looking through. I was like, okay, what song am I going to learn first? And I get home and I put the sheet music up. And I got my song, it was your song by Ellen John. And I start looking into it. Oh my gosh, such a struggle. You know, I was so excited. And then I was so disappointed because I'm like, oh yeah, sheet music is hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that song ended up taking me six months to learn. And that's one of the songs I still know how to play today. That was one of the two songs that I learned from my lessons. And I and had to beg my piano teacher to, to let me, you know, work with me on that, that sheet music. So I tell that story in video three before jumping in to my way of learning songs on the piano. And what's the point of telling this story? Is it, are you trying to, you, you, you're trying to connect with your audience because they have similar stories probably, right? Well, Nate, I would say that I guess so, but in my... Similar, similar conflicts and frustrations. My opinion is, is that I'm telling these stories so that, you know, the stories typically will have some sort of conflict, Right. And I'm telling it so that they can avoid it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if they're just getting started and all they've heard is, okay, when you learn piano, you learn songs with sheet music. Well, that's not how I teach my course. So I need to, I need to alter the way they think about those things. So you're building a bridge from their desire to the result they want to, to the end result without having to go through the conflict, right? Bingo. Yeah. That's, that's my opinion of why I would tell a story like that. Yeah. So, for example, let's think of the terms of the funnel, right? People, a lot of people find me by going to Google and searching online piano lessons or how to learn piano or beginner piano lessons. That's all they're searching for. They're not searching for how to learn piano without sheet music and super fast and without the frustration, right? I, I don't think so anyway. So, they enter my funnel with some generic term. They like what they see on my website. They opt in for my book. They still, you know don't know much about the piano, how to learn piano, still have, probably have some preconceived notions about sheet music and things like that. They go through the first video. Um, they get they get my story and the struggle with songs and they get some training. In the second video, they get some more stories. They get a little more training. In the third story, thir third video, they get that story about the sheet music. And then I jump right into my training about how to learn new songs this way. And so by the end of the third video, I mean... Hopefully, it's a no-brainer to uh, to go through my program. Absolutely. You know what? You know what? I've noticed a lot of. Um, I, it just got me thinking about something. A lot of the marketers that I follow that I think are really good and that are selling way way more than I am have way bigger businesses than I am. They're all starting per to produce these little like documentary films almost that they're using for their pitch that are story based and have re they're really cinem cinematic too. Have you been noticing that trend lately? I don't follow as many marketers these days 
as I used to and as you do now. So not really, but that's interesting. Yeah. They're, it's more like, you know, a beautiful piece of art to watch than it is just a, a pitch and a teach and a training. It's, it's something now I'm writing down here that I'm thinking I might want to produce. Just get my, my best story out there and produce it in a really beautiful way where it just can connect with people and, and you know, it's visual at the same time. So what you're talking about is, I mean, we, we've got these stories to tell and we want to make sure our stories are heard and people pay attention to them and, um, and pay attention to the whole thing. And so you could tell a story, you could type it up in an email. Or you could turn on the camera and you could tell your story into the camera, or you could take it a step further than that. And you could, um, you could just do a very high quality video, kind of like what you're talking about, right? There's different levels of the spectrum, but I think that's what you're getting at is, um, it's the same story, but like, they're just putting a lot of effort into the production of that story in order to, in order to convey it better and hold attention better. Yeah, and they're very just very focused on the story in general. I'm going through the, um, Jeff Walker's a release of his product launch formula. I'm just kind of like hacking what he's doing with that, you know. And it's it's produced like that, really high quality and just very story based. Oh yeah, he and he talks a lot about stories. Um, I've I've been through his course and I've read his book, and he he talks about story all the time. His book Launch by Jeff Jeff Walker. Yeah, for sure. And so. I, you know, in my piano videos, it's mostly just me talking to a camera, but you know, I'm, I'm working on my online course guy course, um, online courses for regular people. And I'm working on the pre-launch content right now. And I finished the first video and, uh, the first video is actually hundred percent stories. I tell like seven stories because I want people to understand, um, what I went through with piano in 21 days. And uh, and how, you know, the struggles, the successes, and ultimately I'm, I want to help people to shortcut a lot of the stuff that I did. So I think it's important that I tell my stories, but my point in telling you this right now is I didn't just turn on my camera and start talking. Oh, I did, but I did more than that in the, in like post-production and whatever video editing. I've got a lot of B-roll. I've got a lot of text that appears on the screen. I'm really trying to, I mean, it's not, it's not like a documentary like you're talking about, but I'm really trying to do a as high a quality of video as possible in order to hold attention better and be more impactful. That's cool. Yeah. So for example, you know, I mentioned I had telling seven stories in that first video for my online course course. Um, for example, one of the stories I talk about is how, you know, after months and months of struggle with um, finding the right information to actually make a course, make a course on piano and stuff like that. It was finally time to launch my course. And, you know, I listened to all these business podcasts and people would launch stuff and they would, they would launch it. And then a few minutes later, they would have like a million dollars in their bank account. And those are all the stories that I'd, I'd heard. And so I launched mine and I'm all excited. I think I'm going to make all this money. And a couple hours later, I'm refreshing my inbox, still hadn't sold anything. I go to sleep that night, disappointed. I wake up the next morning, check again, still no sales. And then, so I talk about how, okay, I was just to kind of get my mind off of things, go get some coffee at Starbucks and I'm waiting in line at Starbucks. And I remember this like it was yesterday. Like I seriously remember this like it was yesterday. I'll never forget this. My phone dings and you know I had the same ding for everything. So it could have been my wife texting me. It could have been whatever. But it was a notification that I sold a course. 
and I'm standing in line at Starbucks, I literally start dancing. People are looking at me like I'm absolutely nuts and I don't care because I just made money online for the first time. <laughs> That's awesome. So I could have said, um, yeah, I launched and uh, I didn't make any sales right away, but I made my first sale the next day. Yeah. Okay. The first part is 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 better, right? And it's 100% accurate. Like that's my story. Do you, uh, is there a framework that you follow? Is there like a a little script you try and follow when you're telling these stories that you refer to? No, I, so I think you get, when you tell a story, you get better at it every time you, every time you tell it, right? So that Starbucks story, that's like the probably 30th time I've told that story. Not that, you know, I told it great, but I think, um, I think making sure you don't speak too quickly. Yep. And you show emotion, appropriate emotion. You know, when I talked about dancing in Starbucks, you know, I get a little more excited about that. And when I talk about um, checking my email and hitting refresh and there was no sales, right? It's a little more somber, a little, even talking a little slower. Um, So I don't think there's a script because every story is different. I think it's all about the emotion and trying to connect with people. And and you're most of the time you're going to be telling these stories on camera. Remember what I said, I think last week about energy levels, just, you know, the camera sucks away some energy. So you just kind of have to amp it up, you know, yeah. just um, amp up whatever emotion you're trying to convey, amp that up, whether it's excitement, anger, you know, depression, whatever. Do you have a script? Uh, well, there's a expert secrets goes uh, Russell Brunson's book, Expert Secrets, goes through story in detail, and he's got a script in here that I think is really good, which I'll share. But you talked about one of the keys to good storytelling is connecting with feelings and emotions. One other thing I would say that he talks about, too, is oversimplification and just like speaking at a third grade level. And there's an interesting thing, like during the 2016 primaries, a study looked at the speeches of Republican candidates and put them through a, this this scale that that shows the grade level of their speech and Trump averaged a third to fourth grade level on his speeches. Whereas um, Ted Cruz was at ninth grade level, Ben Carson and Huckabee were at eighth grade level and he connected more with people and he ended up, he ended up winning, you know, and he won the presidency because he was at probably cause he was at a third grade level. And he talks in here about trying to talk, speak at a third grade level. And if you are trying to convey complex ideas, then you, you create kind of like statements. So if you're saying, you know, like, you know, ketones are great for, are great for, um, overall health and fat loss. And ketones are kind of like having a, um, having a bunch of little motivational speakers running through your body. It's just like dumbing things down to that third grade level. (laughs) I like that. And he talks about that in this book, that that's one of the crucial things, but I can go through his, uh, his kind of script for the framework of a good story. If you think people would find that beneficial. I do absolutely. Russell Brunson, for people that don't know, is the is the guy that created uh, ClickFunnels. Yeah. Who you know, we we both recommend a lot. We use it a lot. Um, and he's he's also before he created ClickFunnels, he's just super mega uh, marketer, online marketer, and he's written several books. And I think his latest one is Expert Secrets. And I I haven't read Expert Secrets yet. I've been thinking about it lately because I read his previous one, Dot Com Secrets. And that was uh, that was very interesting. Expert Secrets is man, it's unbelievable. It's really, really good. Is it? Yeah, really good. You know what's frustrating about Expert Secrets specifically, and it has nothing to do with the content, is the is is his funnels. You know, yeah. like I consume content. You know, I consume books typically on Audible while I'm walking my daughter or walking the dog 
or cleaning the house. And I can't go on Audible and buy that book. You know why? Because it's in his funnel somewhere. It's not at the front of the funnel. You know, you have to go on his website and you have to opt in and you have to go through hoops. And I totally respect that. But goodness gracious, I just want to listen to it on Audible, man. Yeah. 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 So, and, and just before you jump into that, one more thing. I mean, you were talking about Trump and I think that's a really good point. And a lot of people will say, okay, look how stupid Trump is because, you know, he talks like this. But I mean, he, you know, you say what you want about the guy, but. Um, he's had a lot of success in his life, and I bet that he's talking like that on purpose because he knows what you're talking about. Yeah, I listened to an interesting podcast with the guy that wrote Dilbert, Scott Adams, I think is his name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting guy. He was on the James Altucher show, and he he's done a ton of analysis. He's like an expert at persuasion and all these tricks and stuff, and he says that Donald Trump's is like nailing all of them. Yeah. You know, he's, he went to an elite, elite school. He's like, he knows what he, I think he's a lot more uh, zeroed in. He knows what he's doing more than most people think. Yeah. Scott Adams is a very interesting guy and everybody started hating Scott Adams because they thought he was such a big Trump supporter. But in reality, he was just looking at all this data about persuasion and influence and psychology and saying how well Trump was uh, doing all of that stuff and predicted that because of that, he would win. Yeah. And people took that for uh, Scott Adams being a huge supporter of Trump. And so he he just got all this backlash. And at the end of the day, Scott Adams didn't vote for Trump. He didn't vote for all at all, and which is very interesting because he just um, people think he's such a big supporter. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, he said he's he's uh, he's taken a bunch of persuasion classes. And he said that Donald Trump, he's been following it for like 30 years. And Donald Trump is like the best persuader in the way he, he approaches things that he's ever come across in his entire time following this stuff. But this, yeah, this is a really good, this is a really good layout of how you can tell a good story. Okay. So it starts with number one, your backstory. What is the backstory that gives you, gives people a vested interest in, in your journey? The second thing is your desires. What is it you want to accomplish? And you should go through your external struggles and your internal struggles. Okay. So external struggles is like, um, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, it's like, I can't, but I can't give up carbs. And an internal struggle basically always comes down to love or status. Like, you know, why do I want to lose weight? And eventually it'll come down to, um, you know, I want my kids to, I want to show my kids that I love them, you know, something like that. Then the set, the third part is the wall. What, what was the problem that you wall or the problem that you hit with the, within what you were currently trying to do that started you on this new journey? Then the epiphany is, what was the epiphany you experienced in the new opportunity you discovered? The next step is the plan. What is the plan you created to, to achieve your desire? Then after that is conflict. What conflict did you experience along the way? Seven is the, the achievement. What was your end result? And eight is the transformation. What is the transformation you experienced? So he tries to, when he's putting together his story, and Russell's telling story after story after story after story. When you watch his speeches, I noticed that at his ClickFunnels event. And that's what he's doing. He's going through those things, and and everything's based on that script pretty much. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think um, I think I was, you know, I think I do a lot of those, maybe not all of them in, in the stories that I tell. But um, obviously, the stories I'm telling in my videos are serving a purpose. Each one serves a purpose. So I'm not just telling a random story about how, you know, I just walked into the kitchen and, and I put a cup in the cupboard, right? There's no conflict there. There's no emotion there. You know, I'm telling stories that that follow a lot of those elements. 
Um, that's interesting. I really need to read that book and and look at that section specifically. Yeah, and uh, the point of telling the stories, like in that framework, he says, is to the whole goal is to have the people that are listening to the story have the same epiphany that you had, and you have to like you have to tie in with them in an emotional level for them to be able to really feel that. I think that's good stuff. Stories. Yeah, they're they're it's it's something that I want to study a lot more and I want to do a lot more of in my business. Yeah, I think I think any business very powerful. Any business from online courses to flackers needs stories. Yeah, we're always trying to sell people on the like how the features because I'm very left brained. I think you probably are too, being an engineer. Yes, and um, it's just like it's not how people make their buying decision, but it's how. It's how I think about th- how people are going to make their buying decisions. Right. And maybe it's how I think I make my buying decisions, but I really don't. Yeah. When you're pitching, when you're selling your online course, you don't need to talk about how many hours of content there are and the, you know, the resolution of the videos and how many videos there are. I mean, you can have that in some tucked away place, but that's not what's going to sell your course. Yeah. When you were looking at those flaxseed crackers, you were probably, you're probably like, oh yeah, these are... These have less grams of carbs. Um, you know, that's a good thing. I'm looking looking for something less grams of carbs. But in the background, you're at what you're actually doing is saying these are going to make me healthier, so I can show up the way I want to in the world. You know. Yeah, and you know that's a great great point because yeah, I looked at I've got the bag right here, and I looked. I remember looking at the back of the uh, package and seeing okay, it's got seven carbs, but six of those are fiber. Um, but what I was really thinking in my head is, okay, me and my family like to picnic a lot and we'll grab some cheese and we'll grab like some salami and they'll usually grab some, some sort of crackers. And I usually don't partake in the crackers because it's very, you know, very high carb and um, and most of the time it's got gluten in it and I try to stay away from that. And uh, so I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I get these, then I can take part in the crackers at our picnics and not have any negative impact to my health. Yeah. These crackers will help me connect deeper with my family. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Our subconscious mind is very big part of our brain. It's very powerful. That's where these stories slide right in. I'm uh I've reached the end of my notes on stories, Nate. Do you have anything else to add? And did you want to tell any stories? Nope, that's pretty much all I have. But I yeah, I do tell my story in my videos about you know, I, I really wanted to quit my job. I was sick of it. I hated it. I've been doing it for five years and I got covered in herbicide every day. And uh, I was, so I was starting businesses on the side. I had some going on Etsy. They were going pretty well, but they just didn't quite give me that income I needed to be able to quit my job and be home more with my family. And I was doing a lot of gardening at the time. And I thought, I saw some people online. I thought, man, if I could just start focusing on selling some of my highest value crops and selling them to restaurants in the farmer's market, that'll give me that the little bit more income I need to be able to quit my job and and stay at home. And uh, so I went for it. I did that. I ran into a bunch of tough struggles along the way, mold on my crops, a bunch of crap I did wrong. Um, Timing was off. So it's kind of burning bridges with a couple chefs, not having stuff for them when I said I would. And eventually, you know, I I looked and saw the the best ways to do everything, and I researched it in depth, and I came up with a dialed in system, and that system really gave me the income I needed to be able to quit my job, and I quit my job, and the, you know the rest is history. Now I'm, I have a lot of free time with my family, and life is great. Suck me right in, man. It makes me want to start my own microgreens business. Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Nate. Well, this is, uh, I think this has been a really good episode. It's fun to talk about this with you, yeah. uh, but that's going to do it for this week. And so we'll, uh, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to everybody again next week. And in the meantime, there's more resources on online courses at the online And I'll see you next week, Nate. All right. See you next week. I'm going to go eat a flacker. <laughs>